Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. This is the second in our rivalries series where we speak to fans of rival clubs. We're joined by Tom Burrows, a Liverpool fan who works for The Athletic. Looking ahead to Saturday's game, I asked Tom how he felt about the Villa turning up to Anfield after the 7-2 earlier this season. Excited, albeit quite apprehensive. Um, I mean, it's a game Liverpool really need to win uh, on a dreadful run at Anfield at the moment, having gone 68-match unbeaten run at Anfield, now on a six-match losing run. Hmm. which is pretty remarkable, obviously. So, I mean, the key thing is going to be turning that around as quickly as possible. Um, but despite being on this really poor run, three only three points now off top four. So it's kind of got to a very important stage of the season where still in the Champions League, albeit with an uphill battle, still in a hunt for the top four, despite having an absolutely dreadful 2021. So the Villa game does actually feel pretty big at the moment. Yeah, it's kind of, with two teams that aren't necessarily in the best form, though I know Villa just won last week, and it's particularly shocking that Liverpool have had those multiple losses at home to teams that you'd fancy them to beat, like Fulham, for instance. Um, yeah. I guess within the, sh- the shadow of this season, you know, that 7-2 that happened earlier this season is just such, was such a shocking moment. Um, are Liverpool fans kind of out for revenge this Saturday, do you think? I don't, I don't think so, to be honest. I mean, I know for Villa fans, it was a... Huge moment for them, great moment for them in the season. I mean, it was a completely bonkers game. Yeah. But I don't think Liverpool fans are set on revenge. As I said, it's more about trying to get back into the top four, trying to save and salvage the season. If Liverpool don't get in the Champions League, they're probably they're going to lose £40 million. Mm-hmm. So there's huge implications of not getting in the top four. I think trying to arrest this losing slump at Anfield is now crucial. So... This is now a big game in that sense. And Liverpool have only scored one goal in their last seven home matches, Anfield, which was in the 4-1 defeat to City. So clearly, that's the most important thing now is trying to sort of you know, arrest this Anfield slump rather than getting revenge, particularly on Villa. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I won't harp on too much about the 7-2, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tempting though it is. Um, but can you kind of explain what happened in that game? And do you think that, you know, is that game ultimately what may have led to a crisis of confidence that perhaps has affected Liverpool's season? I think, if you remember the start of the season, I mean, I know it's been a completely bonkers season and looking back at the first four or five games now feels like a, another lifetime ago. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of very high scoring games, a lot of bizarre score lines, including the 7 2. And I think a lot of it was down to a very condensed pre season that teams had. Lots of teams hadn't had their proper preparation. They hadn't got their new signings bedded into the team or the formation that they were thinking of playing for that season. And Liverpool went into that Villa game having had, I think, three or four friendlies. Mm-hmm. And the year before, they'd had 11. Their pre-season had been disrupted. They were supposed to go to everyone in France. Ended up being quarantine restrictions for France. So had to reschedule that at late notice and went to Austria. They then went to Austria and it was monsoon weather. Three people got COVID. Mm. So even that was disrupted. So they then went into the season having had already a condensed pre-season, not with the idea of pre-season preparation that they wanted. They then actually had quite a decent start, 
But then this Villa game came around. And I think it was just one of those games that just showed that teams hadn't had proper preparation. Mm. Um, I mean, Villa were absolutely superb. But Liverpool all over the place. And this was, if you remember rightly, a Liverpool team that had Van Dijk playing, that had mm. Gomez playing. Um, but Villa just picked Liverpool apart, particularly in the channel between Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arnold. And probably the best game that Ross Barkley had for Villa as well. <laughs> well, yeah, it was like his <laughs> debut as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, it, it is interesting that in that sense how... Liverpool season sort of went off the boils quite soon after. And it, it is interesting about you saying about the pre-seasons because there have been more injuries, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, but something I did notice with Liverpool is I think you played Everton maybe a week later. And I think that was the game where uh, Sadio Mane had the goal ruled out in the last minute, which very dubious offside. And it was where Van Dijk got injured. And I actually thought he was sensational in that game until, you know, Van Dijk got that injury. Do you th- has Van Dijk's injury... You know, it's, losing one major player is tough, as we're finding out with Jack Grealish. But has Van Dijk's injury been a real hammer blow to Liverpool? Absolutely. I mean, you also remember in that game, Thiago got injured. Mm. Um, and he'd started, he'd started really well. Um, and that was probably the game where, also with Chelsea, when he came on away at Chelsea, he looked absolutely superb. I think Van Dijk's been massive just because, obviously, where he plays. Um, the leadership qualities he has, I think, missing him in the change room, around the around the place, and obviously on the pitch as well has just been so massive for Liverpool this season. Um, I think not only the number of players have got injured, but the times that the injuries have happened. I mean, Van Dijk happened early on in the season, and then a month later, Joe Gomez mm. gets injured on England duty. Matip then is out for the season as well. So suddenly there's three centre-backs are missing. Fabinho, the best defensive central midfielder, then has to go back to centre-back, which disrupts the whole midfield. Mm. Bringing Jota, who's having an unbelievable start to Liverpool career, he then gets injured just when he's playing well. Yeah. And suddenly the front three who weren't firing, Firmino needs a rest, is now back in. Yeah. Thiago, as I just said, started well. He gets injured and then takes him a run of games to get back as well. So you don't want to make excuses of injuries, but it has seemingly been unbelievably unfortunate. And then obviously Henderson gets injured, such yeah. a crucial player who also had gone back to play centre back. So yeah, it seems to have been one thing after the other, really, with the injuries this season. And looking ahead to Saturday's game, um, bearing in mind that Jack Grealish likely won't be fit, who do you identify as Villa's danger man? I mean, I always think off the ball. The work that Watkins does is so impressive. Mm. Um, I think John McGinn, I'm always always thinks a super player as well. And I think what I found really good with Villa this year is just sort of the sum of parts. Everyone seems to there seems to be a very set system that everyone seems to buy into. Obviously, Grealish is the one who's the the most exciting player, but there's real quality in that team. You have got Douglas Luiz who keeps Fabinho out the Brazil starting team. Just sort of mm. shows the caliber of player he is then obviously that's built on a very solid defensive back four and a superb goalkeeper. It's been probably one of the signings of the summer. So yeah, I mean, it's exciting times for Villa, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess it's always quite interesting to hear what an outsider's perspective is because obviously on the Villa podcast, we're all here going like, oh, we're the, either we're the best team in the world or we're the worst team. You know? like, <laughs> it, there's no like in between. But I guess as an outsider, do you, do you think Villa have, um, have either overachieved or do you think we're, um, are we looking like a team that 
um, potentially could start challenging, you know, Liverpool and, or Chelsea or teams like that in the top six in the next few years? I think it's obviously very exciting how Villa started the season. I mean, we forget that Villa were, very, you know, pretty fortunate to stay up, just about <laughs> stayed up last season. Yeah. So, so obviously the starting point is Villa had finished 17th and went into the season and they're nowhere near the relegation zone, which I think you kind of got to kind of got to remember that as well um I mean obviously the summer recruitment Villa seemed to have really got right this time Matty mm-hmm. Cash Martinez some really really good signings and I think if they can have another couple of similarly impressive windows there's no reason why they shouldn't be knocking on the door for Europe and being in and around that kind of seventh eight position um I mean I just think the problem Villa probably have at the moment is you still look at that starting team which is very good but who you're bringing on, you're lacking that bit of probably that little bit of absolute top quality to to start competing with the top teams, as you mentioned. Yeah, hopefully we can rectify that in the summer, just like deepen our squad somewhat. It's probably going to take a lot of money still, um, but we do. Yeah. Have, I think we have the owners now, hopefully, to help us achieve that. But um, yeah, looking at uh, Liverpool season, um, you know, do you, do you think you can still make the top four? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're still only three points off West Ham with. On paper, what you'd say would be quite a favourable run-in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think beating Villa would be <laughs> would be a good start. I think this week's going to be massive if we can we can beat Villa and then get into the semi-final Champions League, Champions League. The season's you know back on track. If we lose both of those, it's it's pretty worrying for the reasons I said earlier that the, mm. the money that you'll lose from not qualifying for the top four. Um, then a massive uphill battle with seven games to play. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this week as well, you just lost to Real Madrid away in the Champions League. Um, is that tie gone or do you think there can be another famous Anfield night? I still, yeah, it's very much, very much uh, still alive with tie. Um, I mean, it is a shame. I mean, I think one of the factors there's been this season has been not having the fans. I think yeah. the intensity that Klopp yeah. plays at and wants his team to play at the high press, that... <sighs> it does help when you've got the fans to feed off uh, and the energy that comes with that. And you think, you look back to the Barcelona game and, and what happened there. And a lot of that, it really was, the atmosphere does play such a big part in that. Mm. Um, I mean, if you look at that game, it's an early goal that got Liverpool back in it. I think an early goal against Real would be, uh, I think that's going to be massive as well. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, those, those fans really do make such a difference, you know. Um, and it's, it's something that we probably underestimate, you know, watching it at home and not being a player on the pitch and having the crowd. And um, yeah. I, mean, I went to Liverpool and I covered the two Champions League finals, the one you lost and the one you won. And um, I have to say, like, it, it was an extraordinary experience. It was a very unique culture and atmosphere in Liverpool because I'd never been there before then. And um, I could sense a certain passion that you can imagine in the stadiums that, if you don't have that now as a player, it's it's a big loss. It's like losing it's like losing one of your best players in, in itself, I'd imagine. How do you feel Bill will have coped with fans this season? Uh, it's a very interesting question, and I've I've spoken about this with a few people. Um, I'm I wonder if ha- not having fans after Project Restart last year helped us in the sense that there wasn't as much tension. So you know, if we conceded an early goal, you know, the fans, you know, we we, we might have gone a bit restless, might have gotten lost a bit of hope and then that might have fed into the players whereas the, the, we weren't there for that. Um, you know, it, it's possible that not having fans actually might have helped weirdly but 
on the other side of that as well, you know, if we last 20 minutes and we need a goal, having those fans in Villa Park would have been a really, really major bonus. Um, mm. But I, I mean, we were a totally, team totally transformed since Project Restart. We basically went back to basics and we learned how to defend, essentially. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a tragedy that this season we have had a good year and we haven't, you know, we've had very special moments from players like Grealish and Watkins. We've just not been there to see it. Um, and that, yeah. that 7 2 is a perfect example of it, you know, it's such an iconic. Yeah, yeah, game absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think, I mean, every club's suffering the same way. But I, yeah, I, c- I can imagine with Liverpool is in, it, for games like the Real Madrid one next week, it's a real miss, I'd imagine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we also got to remember Real don't have. Baran and Ramos still at centre-back. So it is still a big opportunity. You would have said going into a game needing to win 2-0 without their two starting centre-backs. Mm. And they have had some struggles this season. It's not as if it's been you know, an easy season for Real, albeit in the last two months they've turned the corner. So it, you would thought it's still, it's still a very big opportunity. All Villa, no filler. On Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Now it's time for a new section where we ask our rival fans a so-called spicy question. <laughs> Terrible name. Uh, today we ask you, Tom, about Aston Villa's wonder player, Jack Grealish. The Euros aren't far away now. Do you think Jack should start for England? Obviously, Villa fans think it's a no-brainer, but what do you think as an outsider to the club? Fully fit Jack Grealish starts for England for me. Has to. Absolutely. I um, absolutely love Grealish. So I think you've got, you've got to find a way to, if you can, to try and get these these mavericks, these players who can unlock a defence. In tournament football, I just think it's absolutely huge if you've got a player like Grealish, who's got mm. that little bit of magic about him. We saw some, I mean, similarly with Joe Cole, I always thought was superb for England. Mm. Those players, just the, the ability to, to conjure something up, and Grealish has that in abundance. In quite tight, difficult tournament matches, I think for that reason he should start. Hmm. Is it is that moment of magic he can offer? And uh, it's I mean there was some questions Absolutely, last yeah. week about whether he might even be picked, which I think Villa fans obviously were social media was on flames, as the <laughs> kids would say, they weren't happy. Um yeah. but uh but you know it's um as far I mean as far as I can see with Grealish, if you look at him and Rashford who might play a similar position for England, but they offer such contrasting things for defend opposition defenders to think about. Um and I, it just blows my mind that, you know, not that long ago, Southgate wasn't even picking Grealish. And it was only due to injuries he even got into the squad. So, um, um, so you, you're, do you think he would start, like, front three, on the left of a front three, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And uh, what are your hopes for England at the Euros? Do you think, do you think we, this can be the year? Or? Well, they also really said Southgate wasn't picking Grealish. He's now not, not picking Trent, obviously. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, hopes of one of the main hopes is just that we can see somewhere near full capacity crowds for the later stage of the tournament. Um, that that's the main thing I'd absolutely love to see. And the England Scotland game, which is a match that so many people have been looking forward to for such a long time, particularly yeah. my Scottish friends <laughs> and my Scottish fiance. Um, <laughs> it, it, it would just be it would just be superb to see you know, some Scotland fans at Wembley for that game. Yeah. Um, I mean, and particularly because both sides are 
both pretty strong right now as well at Scotland are in, in great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and another question I wanted to ask you actually is um, if, if this summer you got a massive transfer budget and you, you had to look at Aston Villa and you say, there's one player we can take, I'm probably excluding Grealish to be honest. Um, <laughs> who, who, is there anyone at Villa you would look at and think that's a player I would love to have at Liverpool? I think at the moment it's a bit of a no-brainer to be honest and it would be uh, Esri Concer. Yeah, I think absolutely superb player has been slightly overlooked because I think Mings is that vocal presence Yeah, but Concer has been absolutely amazing this season and I think obviously with Liverpool's huge problems at centre-back he'd walk into the team at the moment. Yeah. He's, he, he has his... Um... Growth as a player since again since Project Restart has been absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Like he, he, his um, reading of the game, the way he blocks shots. You know, he's he, um, on the ball. He's very like he's quite. He's quite, he plays like a midfielder. I think sometimes when he's on the ball. Um, I just think he's he's like we're not blessed with great central defenders in this generation. And I think he's one of the best I've seen come through. And I know it's easy for me to say that as a Villa fan, but. Um, I mean, one thing I was suspicious of as well was um, until we, he signed the contract last week was that Jamie Carragher had been saying a lot of positive things about Edry Conte this <laughs> season, and I was thinking like, oh, is is he is he you know setting up the fluttering the eyelashes? Is he thinking can I get Conte <laughs> to Liverpool? It's a great great signing for Villa. That I think that's a sort of statement of intent really moving forwards. If you're able to get your best players to sign contracts, I see Matty Cash as well. Looks like he's going to do likewise, and I think. If you're building your team with these really good players, and then, as I said, if you get the recruitment right again in the next couple of windows, it starts looking really positive. So that's it. We have decided that Super Jack Grealish must start for England. If you have an opinion on that, you can get in touch with us at allvillanofiller at gmail.com or you can contact us through Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. So, Tom, you've been with The Athletic for a while now. Um, can you give us a bit of background on what it is that you do there? Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously, it's a subscription-based a sports website, mainly specialising in football in the UK. Um, so, I'm one of the staff editors. Um, there's about 10 of us, um, and I work with the writers uh, on stories, ideas, projects that they'll be doing. So... They come to me for ideas and we talk them through and we sort of plan out the week. Um, and the idea is there's dedicated club writers and then also we've got our specialists who do the German league, Spanish league and Italian league. And we've got some writers who also do some teams in the football league. And they've obviously got the contacts and the specialists um, sort of know-how of the clubs. So... You know, we might present them with an idea and they, they can kind of use their expertise to try and sort of uh, bring that to life. Um, and then also I do sort of first reads and headlines and arrange the furniture for stories as well. Right. And so, and do you work at all with, uh, I know Greg Evans is the Aston Villa um, main guy. I do. I nice. do. Work with Greg, work with Greg and chat to Greg every day. So yeah, super guy. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Well, Tom, uh, also before you go, I've got to ask you, what's your prediction for this Saturday? I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool season back on track, <laughs> top four, and then I've got to go 2 nil on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the week of your life. Uh, I don't know, Edry Con- Conn might have something to say about those three goals. Uh, uh, personally, I, I can't call it. We're not in great form. 
We might have to change our formation up a little bit. I, I'm going to say it's a draw. I'm going to go score draw. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll be 5 0 now to Liverpool, won't it? But, Not 7 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, want, we want revenge for that 4 1 when you said the, the first team out against the kids. Right. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I've been your host, Frankie Maguire. Thanks for joining us, Tom. I hope to catch up again soon. Pleasure. And it's goodbye from me. I'll be back uh, with George and Rasheen this weekend to talk over the Liverpool game. But until then, come on, Super Villa. Mm-hmm.